What is going on, everybody? My name is Nicholas Willard, and this is Almost Canon. Now, if you have a, a wild and crazy paranormal encounter that you want to share with the show, go ahead and send me an email at almostcanonpod at gmail.com, or you can even drop me a message on our uh, Facebook page, Almost Canon Podcast. Uh, and if Instagram is your jam, you can find us at almost cannon pod. Um, you can even send me a, a message on there. I believe what, what do they call them? What, what, what do they call them these days? Uh, uh, DMS, maybe, I don't know. I'm assuming that's what a DM is. So you can send me a direct message on Instagram if you have to, but the best way to reach us here at almost cannon is, is our email. And that is almostcanonpod at gmail.com. And remember, it doesn't have to be just a paranormal event. It could be uh, a mysterious encounter with some sort of, of cryptid-like creature, maybe. Or or maybe you stumbled across a lost city somewhere in the middle of the, the jungle or the, the, you know, the backwoods of, of Appalachia or, or uh, the mountains of, of, of Washington State. It, it doesn't matter. We, we want it all. Now, now... Tonight's episode is is gonna be slightly different than than the normal, you know, episodes I do. We we don't have a special guest. We don't have a a mysterious topic to cover. Um, I didn't have much time to throw anything together this week. My my oldest son had to have um, a fairly urgent surgery done at Boston Children's Hospital there in Boston, Massachusetts. So, you know, my week's kind of been taken up by that. And so I, I kind of just pulled, whip, whipped something together uh, from past episodes. I, I, I cut off some, some, you know, pretty creepy stories uh, that some past guests have shared with the show um, from some pretty early episodes that I know not a whole lot of people have listened to. So I am fairly certain that that what you will hear tonight will be new. Um, and and I, I mean, the, these are stories that, that creeps me out. One of them, one of them is a a uh, a shadow person or, or maybe a, a hat man encounter with with something uh, the the storyteller calls the dark man and the gray lady now. Yeah, I know that automatically that grabs your attention. And and our, our second tale will be told by Master Diver, an underwater archaeologist, Annette Spaulding. We've had her on the show way back when for episode 24, a deep dive with Annette Spaulding. In episode 28, the ghost of Sharon Lake, which is, I'm just going to say, that was that was an incredible episode. One of my favorites. It's not what you'd imagine. Annette was a, a part of a a diving expedition that searched the bottom of a lake in central Canada, uh, uh, Sharon Lake, where a airplane uh, had had to crash land. I believe back in the 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 late twenties, um, it, it landed on the it, it had to crash land on the ice, and then. You know, after the ice, they weren't able to get it off in time. And after the ice had melted, the plane obviously went through the water, sunk to the bottom, and was lost ever since. And she was hired by a enthusiast, and you know, she she would they were able to find this 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 airplane at the bottom of of the lake. It, it's it's a fascinating story. There's some other weird things that happened while she was out there. But, you know, we're not we're not covering that episode today. You know, we already did that story. You can go back and find it. It's episode 28. To... 
So yeah, you can go back to episode 28 and listen to her story. It's fascinating. Uh, you definitely won't be disappointed. But but tonight, we're going to hear a story um, of an encounter she had while 90 feet underwater in a lake here in Vermont um, with some sort of mysterious creature. I'll leave it at that. And I believe I also, she also had a little bit to say about the infamous uh, Lake Champlain monster, Champ. So those are our first two stories. Um. And and I I I think I I might have skipped over the first one. The first one was is is uh uh and I I I purposely left off the the episode, um. The the episode number for our first story here. Uh, I I had personally remastered it for tonight's episode. Uh, don't bother going back and listening to it. You know, it's one of our earlier episodes. Didn't come out very well. Uh, this was back when I had a co-host, and he was not a fan of editing. Um, so I, I I spruced it up a little bit, made it easier to listen to, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. it. It is an awesome, awesome, uh, very, very, it is an awesome, awesome, creepy ass story. Uh, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. And our third story here on tonight's episode is a story recounted by me that took place here in Vermont, Southern Vermont. It is a, a UFO encounter slash maybe even abduction that unless you've followed me for several years now, I believe I, I wrote this story down and posted it to the internet a couple years ago. Um, but unless you you read that post or you listened to one of our episodes way back when, I, I believe I might have told it at the end of the Ghost of Sharon Lake episode. But so unless you've listened to that or you've read my post, this is a, a UFO encounter that you've never heard of. And this is a UFO encounter that is fascinating, that is scary, that involves four people. And it's quite the little tale. I definitely found it fascinating. That that's uh, I don't I don't even I can't even think of 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 another word right now to describe it. But let's begin tonight's episode. We're gonna kick it off with a story told by Ethan of the Dark Man and the Gray Lady. All right. Good afternoon. Good evening. This is our guest. His name's Ethan, and we're gonna talk about some ghost stories that he had happened to him when he was younger it's gonna be pretty creepy <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that's as good as i got right, we'll see how it goes that's a great intro i like it <laughs> it was creepy for me <laughs> oh yeah i bet i heard i've heard some of these stories before and they were like super creepy so yeah i'm all set right now hon. sorry guys nope uh, nope <laughs> my wife's talking to me um yeah, so uh, when I was five years old, my parents uh, bought a house in South Windham, Vermont. It was built in uh, 1891 or 1889. I don't remember. It was an old farmhouse. And we moved in there, and at the age of five years old, uh, it was always a strange place. My father and mother were always working on it, trying to make it a home. And... Uh, uh, things were always off. We were always disrupting things, you know, because we were working on the house. And um, I can remember at a young age, you know, seeing things that seemed strange. Uh, uh, as I grew older, it changed from being things that you thought were just seemed strange, seeing something to hearing things. Um, you know, I lived on the second floor. My bedroom was on the second floor of the house. Yep. And uh, you could hear the steps, you know, of someone walking up and down the stairs. Ooh. And then it, it graduated to someone, you know, slamming on the bedroom door. Oh, you like, know, like, uh, you know, like banging on your on door? 
Yeah, pounding on the door of the bedroom. Ooh. Ethan, how, how old were you when you first like started hearing that? Well, from the age of five, I, I want to say around seven or eight years old was uh, when it started to really get heightened. Getting close to um, my age. And it was, you know, it was very frightening. You know, it led to anxiety, not only to myself, my little brother, you know, and I wasn't the only one that saw things or heard things. My sisters lived at the house and they the were much family, older yeah. than me. And, and they would see things and hear things. And um, we slept with the bedroom light on. We slept in the same bed, my little brother and I. You know, and I was always mad because he would fall asleep before me. And, you know, and, uh, Lucky little guy. I had the same <laughs> thing with my little brother, man. He would fall asleep like a, like a rock and I would be up all night. Yep, just scared, you know. And, I mean, it was really freaky. And then, as I, like I said, I grew older, you know, around the age of eight or nine, uh, uh, things became more relevant, you know. I mean, it wasn't just our, you know, an old house making noises mm. or someone playing games or tricks with you that you actually saw things. Um, there what did was you, a gray, yeah, what did you see? Um, there was the gray lady. Um, the gray lady? And, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that sounds really scary. Old, you know, and you could see her. And Wait, describe and her. I gotta... She wasn't scary, you know? She didn't, like, scare me so much as as the dark man did. And he was an older farmer with a flat-brimmed hat, you know, all the way around. And and he stood off in the corner, and he was always grimacing and, and very frightening. And it wasn't something that... Uh, you just woke up and you kind of blinked your eyes and saw it was something that was there for minutes, you know. Like in your room with you? or, or In the room, yeah, oh. as an image, yeah, uh, in different parts of the house. And then um, later on in life when I became like 10 or 11 years old, I can remember going downstairs to, to get a drink of water from the kitchen and uh, in the middle of the night. And all the drawers and the cupboards just started opening and closing randomly crazy what? clapping and smashing and and crashing you know and the silverware banging and you know i can remember just screaming at the top of my lungs you know like get out you know and oh my, my parents found me in the in the kitchen with all the cupboards and in the, the drawers askew whoa you know? and uh you know, later on, you know, we were always involved in the church. And even as I grew older and um, we actually became friends with the minister, you know, who would come over for suppers and stuff on the weekends and stuff. And he, he, he actually blessed the house and, and blessed the people that resided within it. And and after that, it all subsided, you know, to the point where there was nothing. Did he to the did he do that at your request, or I mean, th did you ask him to? At my parents' request, I believe. Yes, really? and they they discussed it and talked about it. Yeah, and it, it wasn't a Catholic priest or anything of that nature. You know, he was a reverend in a congregational church that we had helped restart. You know, or my parents had helped restart in South Windham, Vermont, and uh, and uh, which was right down the road. I mean, like you could walk to it within sure. two minutes. Sure, That's I know. Like right, right down the road from where we are now, pretty I mean, much. Yeah, I know it's, what you mean. Uh, right there, you know, and uh, and he came up and blessed the house, you know. And we all held hands at the table at the at the dining room table, the whole family, and uh, he blessed the house, and uh, it, it did. It, it stopped, you know. And I bought the house after my parents retired, and. I lived there for years until I had sold it, and about a year and a half ago, it was demolished, fallen into disrepair, and oh wow, it was it was gone. But there's so much to it, you know. I mean, I could keep going on and on, but it's like that's just a small summary of what we endured, you know, as kids, and 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 even my parents who would try to like live with it and and kind of pawn it off, you know, as nothing. Right. to us kids but even my older siblings who are, are 10 years older or more than i am you know they've they lived with it as well and they've seen it and and they have stories of it as well did you guys all see the same uh kind of wrath like figures that were appearing or like yeah my my sister iona um actually can you know profess to that as well 
she's seen the gray lady when she gave birth to her daughter, Emily. She was in a bassinet right next to the bed where she was sleeping. And she woke up one night and the gray lady was sitting there, you know, fondly just looking over this little Emily, you know, that was, was that at, was that at a different location, though? That must have been somewhere else, right? Same house. Same house. Oh, it was in the house. OK, different, different bedroom, you know. Wow. Yeah. So, yep. Oh, yeah. Wow. So I've heard a lot of stories like this and a lot of times they talk about blessing the house and the home like so how does how do they go do you remember how they went about doing that i can remember it vividly just sitting around the dining room table in the dining room which was a very big room and we all held hands and and the i can remember the reverend you know blessing the house and I don't recall whether or not he went around with holy water or anything like that. I don't remember anything like that. He just spoke out loud, very loudly. And, you know, and he, he spoke about how he wanted to bless his house and ask the spirits that resided in it to not give us grief, you know, <laughs> kind of in a, a short summary, you know what I mean? Like yep. to. Was he, was to, he considering it to be like possessed or some kind of demonic presence? Or what, do you know? I don't think it was demonic in any way because, I mean, even though the the cupboards and the drawers and all that stuff, I don't know. I don't, I I can just remember it happening, you know? I can remember it vividly. Mm, Still, it it raises the hairs on my arms and the back of my neck to talk about it. Oh, I bet. I bet. I bet. It was was very much real. It wasn't some like sleep paralysis or, 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 you know, a dream of a young child right. you know yeah you all experienced it, it. it was incredibly real and i won't ever forget it but um so the the old man with the hat yeah the dark man yeah the dark man the yeah. dark man darkman that that's yeah. very interesting to me because a lot of people also that i've i've also, so i've I have, i've listened to tons of stories and that seems to be a figure that always shows up Mm-hmm. And that he was very he was very much a farmer, you know what I mean. You know, I could call him the dark man. He was dark and he was always in the corner, what? or that he was he was looming over us for a, a brief point, but then he would be in the corner. What kind? He, ki- he was a farmer. He had that flat rimmed, you know, like I don't want to say Amish type hat, right? And then the suspenders and the black coat, and then regular pants not like you know it, they were like i wouldn't want to say jeans you know what i mean but like uh yeah they were farmer pants farmer pants really you <laughs> what, know they were kind, like he, he what wasn't kind of dressed, vibe did he give off was it did so, did he seem uh, did he seem threatening scary. to you or incredibly threatening scary really you know, ominous, you know like he was looking at you like with hatred in his eyes or can you can you see his almost almost just like incredibly menacing yeah Ooh. And, and scary to the point where you just shut your eyes, you know, and, oh. and, and cringe. But he would never move toward you. He would just stay there in the corner? No, nope, always in the corner. Oh. And um, so you described his clothing, but could you see through him? Was he solid? Was he kind of hazy? It, was always, was he was it wasn't dark? like a solid, it wasn't a solid image. And I don't want to say it's something that you could see through either. It right. was... It was it was light. It was like I don't I don't know how to even word it. You know, it was it was an odd. It it, it seemed like a full figure, but it was not. You know, it, it was very strange. Yeah, that's like crazy. Re- regular human height. We're talking for both him and the. Oh God, he was very tall. Yeah, you know, and she was. I wouldn't say she was short either. By the way, you know. Were they like gaunt and, and really you know skinny and, and and bedraggled looking, or did they have some form to them? No, well, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say you know for the sta- their stature, I would say they were full. You know. Yeah. Wow. Do you, do you think they were like husband and wife, like they had lived in the house oh. previously? I have no clue. I mean, I I know the house was owned by the Chapins before it was. You know our residents. A lot and, of chapins around these parts. I will. I will admit that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. They're 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 they they reside mostly in Jamaica, Vermont now. But yeah. yeah. 
They did own the house, and, you know, I talked to old Pug Chapin about it. Oh, I know Pug. Sure. Yeah. You know, I worked up on the hill with him up at Stratton, and, you know, he had mentioned the same things growing up. And so didn't his son, who actually ran the excavator that, that pulled the house down. And they finally, you know, oh, tore wow. it all down. Yeah. So they had lived in the house before you? Yep, they did. So then these these wow. figures were there previously, obviously. Yep. It's it's strange how you had moved in and it took several years. Like, it orig- it fell off, in the you know, for a year or two. And well, then the, it- house, the, the house was unoccupied and it was in a dilapidated state when my, my uh, parents bought it. Right. And my father worked on it for a solid almost year before we moved into it. Yep. You know, just to be livable. And then he continued to work on it for years and years, you know, to make it even more livable. Right. A lot of times you hear stories of of houses um, feeling weird and, how you know, like there's almost some sort of presence. And then when they start yeah, renovating... It like- my mom and I always talked about it, you know, and father, my father as well, that, you know, almost disturbing the house. Right. You know, yeah. You know, kind of awakened the spirits, yeah, you know, exactly, that resided exactly. within it. Yep. Did you guys ever check uh, into the history of the property? Like, like any, any weird things that went as, down? As far back as going back to the Chapins, I don't know anywhere farther behind that. And that was going back to the 1940s. But I know that when my father started to clear the land and, you know, make lawns out of things that we we found, you know, gravestones and things of that nature. Oh, wow. Which was a bit odd. But. Right. There yeah. are there are some dark uh, moments in history, especially around Jamaica and Wyndham over the last century, I, I'd say. I we're mean, ac- yeah, we're actually the studio is in Jamaica. I didn't know. I don't know if you knew that, but we're right in Jamaica right now. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So I do know a lot of the people you're talking about or, you know, their offspring. And um, I just, I, I, I am not a, a native of this t- this town, but I, I know people who are. And they've described some shit that's gone down over the last, oh, maybe 50 years or more. That has huh? been very, um, you know, murdery and stuff like that. So I, mean, I don't know if that's in any, way, in any way involved, but I'm sure there are some restless spirits around these parts. I think that's just what it comes down to, that people did did pass away at that homestead you know sure and i did i just think that's what it was you know i mean they were just restless spirits and us you know coming in there and 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 working on that house you know kind of awoken the spirits sure i was always afraid to go up to the the upstairs you know all the way up to the attic mm. to the top attic because there was nothing up there but a an old trunk like a, a, a chest yikes and I and, and uh, when they tore down the house, <clears throat> they had taken that chest out and they'd put it on the ground. And the neighbor said, "I don't, I, I you know, I talked to him about it, you know, and how I always seen that chest. And I never dared to go up there, even as a young adult when I owned the house. And he said, "I bet you don't dare to open that chest." And I said, "Well, I got a few beers in me. I'll open that thing." And I kicked it open. <laughs> Oh, there was no. nothing in it. There oh. was absolutely nothing in the chest. So, you know, chest? No excitement there or anything. But well, that's worse yeah, than I mean, if there's I was a... afraid. Even at you know, <sighs> hell, you know, I'm 48 years old. It took a lot of courage for me just to open that thing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but uh, that really is the the gist of things. You know, it's a it's a it's a short summary with a, not a lot of history involved in it, but. But uh, it, it is what I experienced, and uh, it definitely had an impact on my life. And you have not seen any of those figurines since? You haven't seen the dark man nothing, or, the, or the lady? Never, wow. Nothing, nothing, and nothing ever since the house was blessed. Nothing. Do you ever dream about them? or Like, do they come to you ever at, in any well, way? I mean, I had lots of dreams about it as a kid, but, I mean, to be honest with you, you know, I... As an adult, I kind of put that stuff out of my mind, and right, yeah, no, not really, not at all. Well, that's that's good then. Yeah, it sounds like they were put to rest that day. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you that it was a very realistic thing that I lived through, and uh, I wish I could blame it on 
a creaky old house or the dog walking up and down the stairs or something like that but it wasn't you know it hmm. it was really something else you know wow yeah that that part with the banging on the doors and the the drawers oh, opening yeah. that, Ooh, that, that freaks me out the most you know nearly you nearly crap your pants man you know does it make you so living through something like that does that make you in your everyday current life feel more um like these things do exist you know i don't know how to put it but like absolutely yeah. i mean I, I will be perfectly honest with anybody I, I i experienced this i know what i experienced and and it is absolutely real yeah it's real to me and it's real to my siblings, you know, that are sure. still alive, that they, they lived through it as well. And they've had their experiences. Yeah, I mean, I guess going through something like that, it would really make a believer out of you, right? I mean, mm. you have no choice. <laughs> it's happening to you. I, I yeah. wouldn't imagine, if, I, if my drawers started opening and closing and banging and crazy shit like that started happening to me in my life right now, I don't know what I would possibly do with myself. <laughs> like that would... <laughs> <I, laughs> You freeze for a moment and then you, you scream at the top of your lungs for your parents or whoever. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I did at 10, 11 years old. You right. know, I mean, uh, I did. Yeah. I, I'd have yeah. to call for my dog, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, you guys are welcome. I'm going to go grab some dinner. So. All yes, right, Ethan. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the pod. Appreciate it. You're absolutely welcome. Yeah, thanks a lot. That was awesome. All right. Bye-bye. So I don't know if any of you, um, if you guys have ever been up Route 100, where you go through um, Plymouth, you know, on your way to Killington to go skiing. Sure. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how you go by Lake Rescue. Oh, wow. And this then, is close. Yeah. So Lake Rescue. And then there's the next little lake, Echo Lake. And then there's like the other, you know, Plymouth, there's a whole line of them, right? Yep. So I love history and archaeology. And I really wanted to dive this lake because I have maps of all of them. And there's a lot of um, Revolutionary War activity up there. Yes. And that, I don't know if you ever noticed, really, when you're on that narrow strip going along the river, but over the years, many, many years, even before cars, there were different accidents would happen with wagons and stuff like that. And I read this thing about a covered rag wagon um, going off and down and all of that. So I asked my two friends, Larry and uh, Debbie, if they would go diving there with me. And um, they're always game, well, most of the time, except looking for the petroglyphs of mud. But anyway, um, so they, we were together. Larry is a master diver, is myself, and my friend Debbie, both very experienced. So anyway, we're down, um, we leave, right where the boat ramp is. If you're not familiar with this, it's crazy. But right where the boat landing is, you just have to go out at maybe 50 feet. And it drops down to about 95 feet deep. And it's very creepy, creepy because it gets very dark. But, you know, the light filters out after about 30 feet down. The water is kind of tannic a little bit. Anyway, um, what ended up happening was I was right next to Debbie. Larry was in front of me. There were trees that were virgin sized, you know, 400-year-old trees, etc. Very wide, very, very wide. And all of a sudden, I saw something that looked like it had fairly large scales. It was black. Um, what is that snake called? It's, um, we have them here. They're black. They're not racers, but they're kind of... Garter snakes? No, these are black. Um, oh, my God. I can't think of the name of it. But, but anyway, this is what happened. I saw... I mean, these are huge trees. The circumference is amazing. And I looked. I didn't see its head, but I saw its body. It was like a, not an eel. It was something I'd never seen before to this day. And I will never in my life dive in that lake again, Echo Lake. The circumference of this thing, as it was slithering around the log was a good probably six to eight inches wide it looked like a serpent kind of body like but it was it was slithering around 
this log and when Larry when I saw it I was shocked I didn't see its head I didn't see its tail because when I saw it I grabbed Debbie's arm so hard and Larry's when I put it out to them I got they had fingerprints and purple on their arms um, and you know how you can't shoot to the surface or you'll get you know a an embolism or you know a lung embolism you have to come up slow mm. let me tell you stop think breathe and relax was going through my head a lot because I was really scared I never seen anything like that and to this day I haven't I will never dive in that lake again because when we calculated how long it had to be how many rings of it slithering it was slithering and it was shut when I shine my light on it was shiny um, I can't think of the name of that kind of snake but it's a large snake. It's not. It doesn't harm you, but they're big, and we have them in New England. But they're. You know, I don't. Think, this the, the scales on this thing were huge. Um, I've never seen anything like it, and I never saw the head. I never saw the tail because I I squeezed them so hard, and I I went me. You know, we we have sign language. I went me out of here, mm. and we went back in to the shore slowly. We didn't come to the surface really fast because I didn't want to get I took a lot of discipline not to shoot to the surface on that one I don't know what it was I've never seen anything like it since and I never will dive in there again because and what was the length that you calculated it to be at about 18 feet oh that's, my God. and that's just what we calculated oh. you know because of the, the width of the tree because I was what caught my eye was I was amazed at the size of these logs and I saw part of the wagon I think I saw part of the covered wagon it had old canvas I was so excited and but it, it looked like it was like bent up against this tree and because I was so overwhelmed by how amazing these trees were right. old growth timber yeah. that's when I it caught my eye because we have very very bright bright lights because it's you know down that deep is very dark and my light is bright I mean it is so bright because of my search and rescue and there's no question no question at all right now thinking about it I have the creeps I have goosebumps right now right. and that was about 20 years ago I will never go back there again. So uh, there's an 18-foot snake at the bottom of Echo Lake? It wouldn't be a snake. I would okay, not this- say it was a, some type of an eel kind of serpent kind of thing. Whoa. It wasn't a snake. I kept ref- I keep referring to that a serpent. That um, species of snake because because it's so shiny, the, the scales on the snake's name. I'm trying to think of it. I, I knew what it was, but I can't think of it right now. But anyway, it's um, they're in New England. It's the largest snake. It's, it doesn't have venom or anything. And it's black with black, really shiny, very shiny. Mm. So it reminded me of that snake and the shininess because... I've seen that snake that I'm telling you about, mm. all coiled up, and then I saw it uncoiling about maybe five feet long or so. Um, I've seen them. All I could think of was this was like a monster, a monster, because the scales on this thing were, they were like huge. I never seen anything like it. And I never saw the head, I never saw the tail. Have you told this to anyone else? No. I don't think so, because, you know, you don't like to say right. that you see something you're afraid. Oh, no, yes. But, but you, I mean, I was, this is this is an amazing story. I, I was scared. Is, and I don't want to, you know, a lot of people, they have a camp there for kids to swim on the other side. And, you was know, this I, Echo I, Lake? Or was this the one Echo. above Echo? No, Echo. Echo. I'll never forget it. Right off the boat landing. Probably 50 feet. It was wow. crazy. And my friends, thank God. I mean, I never would dive that deep alone anyway. Did you say 90 feet? It was about 82. 82 well, it's, it goes down past 82, but where I saw this was about 82 feet in my logbook. Because um, I always log everything that I'm doing and what, and what I see. And um, I love your studio. It's so comfy. And I, I can tell <laughs> you have a little fire. fire going. It's so relaxing and comfortable in your studio here. Okay. It's wonderful. And I feel safe not <laughs> thinking about that thing I saw. I never shared it with anyone because I really, I wanted to, but then I was afraid. that I didn't want people to be afraid, you know. I didn't want them to be afraid to go to the camp and have little kids, you know. 
now I'm telling you guys that it's going to be on the air. But all right, everybody, it was 20 years ago, and it was in the deepest part. I don't think you ever have to worry because nobody's ever been swallowed and missing. So, right. And I'm on the underwater rescue team, and I would have found out. Oh, so man. don't worry. But I'll tell you what. You won't see me diving in there ever, ever, ever. It was my first and last time. Is there any documented species in New England that could that could conform or, or believe me, believe so. me? After what I saw, I did a lot of research to try to somehow find something that would have an explanation for what I saw. Yeah. I mean, I, I went around the entire circumference of Lake Champlain right. solo yeah. in my kayak. Um, this is about, oh God, maybe 14, 15 years ago. And I met a lot of people, you know, including a minister and his wife that saw, you know, Champ. I, I have an open mind. I never saw Champ in my diving. And I've been in, I don't know, probably almost 200 times I've dove in the lake deep water not so deep but I did have a personal experience um, that really made me wonder and now I have a very very open mind um, being I was on a search looking for a missing student and I was there for 10 days and um, sorry this is Lake Champlain now or yeah Lake okay. Champlain I'm yeah. shifting from Echo. Oh, that's okay. yeah. I'm shifting from my scary story oh my god oh my god and this search in Lake Champlain I did was after seeing that and um, I kept thinking to myself at least I kind of have an idea what it might look like but this thing was so scary it was so wide so big and it was so it was just slithering slowly around these huge old growth logs I was like so scared I was so scared it's image in my mind I did not have an underwater camera unfortunately with me none of us did but we all saw it the three of us. Um, but anyway, back to Lake Champlain. When I was on the search looking for this missing person, this wonderful um, ferry, um, he takes the f- he was taking us back and forth on the ferry to get our tanks filled and everything. And he was so wonderful. And he told me that, you know, he had over 50 people on his boat one day and they all saw... Champ. They... Whatever it was. But he told me, you know, it was very long. At the surface. And, Mm-hmm. Wow. And not for, not for a short time. It was on the surface, he said, for at least five minutes, and everybody would, you know, saw it. But then, you know, so I, I had an experience about two years after that. I have a wonderful friend who lives in Plattsburgh, New York. He is um 40-foot sailboat, motor sailor. I would go up with he and his wife and, and sail all over the Lake Champlain, dive all these different places. But this one time, we were in the water depth from Ferris Rock um, going north. We're in open water in the center of the lake where it's the deepest. It's about 400 feet. And we were, I think it was 380 feet um, that day that we're in. We're sailing right up the middle of the lake. And they have a tran- they have a, um, a unit underneath the sailboat that will go off. If, and it's very accurate. If you, you know, there's a lot of rocks that come up from the bottom and things like that you might be able to hit. But we're in the open and I was standing right next, because I always am interested in the depth. They don't dive, I do. And I'm always interested in what, how deep is it under us, because I, I dove and found a lot of um, Valcor Island, found a lot of artifacts I donated to the historical site, but that's another story. But this is a creepy one. This is so creepy. So all of a sudden, Dawn's at the wheel. I'm right next to him. I'm looking at the depth, and that alarm went off. It, it went off like, and it's so loud. And I'm looking, right? 382, 382, 390, 390. Six feet, six feet, eight feet, wow. 12 feet. And it lasted for like, I don't know, maybe three or four minutes. I'm like, Don, look at this. Look at this. Wow. And he goes, he goes, there's no rocks out here. I've been out here for all my life. Wow. There's no rocks out here. And I said, look at Don, look at, look at this step. And so I, I said, just watch that. And I over the side of the boat, you know, the sailboat, to see if I could see something because it was only six feet under us. You should be able to see something. But because the boat is it's quite deep in the water, okay. you know, it's a big boat. So it probably, with the, the boat and the depth, it was probably more like 12, 14 feet down, so I couldn't see it. Okay. But then it just stopped. Done. The alarm went off and you're back to two, 300 feet. 
It was crazy. What? It lasted for a few minutes. It was just going, and then we're back to 380. We should explain to our non-New England listeners that Champ is kind of Lake Champlain's version of the Loch Ness Monster. It's Yes. There's been sightings. People believe, other people don't believe, but we just I just wanted to clarify that for people who don't know. Yes, and even goes back hundreds of years, mm-hmm. even Native Americans and mariners on the lake have done drawings and recorded it. Well, not the Native Americans were not the same. They don't really put any written documentation. It passes down through their verbal. Mm-hmm. But the, even hundreds of years ago, there's evidence. I mean, there's drawings of mm-hmm. these things, right? So anyway, that was kind of a, that's the closest I would have to say. I've never seen it, but that experience. And Don said, I've been out on this lake for more than 40 years. And he said, I have never had this happen to me. Could you get a distance? Could, no. Of like how no. long? Well, I don't, I asked him that. I, we were going seven knots and it lasted for about three minutes. Hmm. So it was cruising with us, I think, underneath right. the boat. That makes sense. Yeah. And somehow, like, you know, dolphin like to cruise, you know, out in the ocean yep. with us. But this was under us and for about three minutes. So, you know, when the alarm started, it's kind of hard to know if it was going slower or faster. I don't know. But that's the closest I have personally ever come to um, actually seeing, getting the chance to see it. But I met, I, I spent three and a half weeks. I did the entire circumference of Lake Champlain, all of it. Over 500, I think it was 508 miles. And I met along the way because I would pull my kayak out. And I didn't meet a lot of people because I started the day after um, Labor Day. I wanted to do it, you know, solo, quiet memory of my friend that drowned there, who was a student, uh, Jefferson Arms in Westminster. Um, he was a political science major in his senior year. Um, he had an accident going, uh, they, they always went across and they said, well, but a bad storm came mm. very unexpected. And the, the waves went up to six feet high and he oh, was wow. never found. And I did it in his memory. Wow. But yeah, it was a lot of experiences out there because the few people I did meet, they talked about Ch- champ. This one couple right near the end of my trip, probably three days after three and a half weeks, almost ending on the New York side in Keysville. I started there, went north and all around the lake and came back up. And here's this minister and his wife, and they saw me kayaking with all my stuff in the back. And, you know, and they said, dear, dear, come here. So I went, I went over and they were so sweet. And I have their names in my log book. But they said, I, what are you doing? I said, how I was just finishing the whole circumference of the lake. Oh, wow. And so, and I, they're like, well, where do you sleep? How do you do that? You know, I explained, I pulled my boat out, set up my tent, sleep in my tent, write in my log book. I go to bed at dark, I get up at sunrise. And they're like, well, you can bring your boat right up on that property. And then I did. And I set up my tent. They want to make me dinner or whatever. And I said, no, no, no. I've got to stick to my, this is a wild trip. I'm not going to, the end, have anything like that. And so they understood. They wanted to give me a coffee. Nope, nope, nope. I have everything with me. So they were so sweet. But um, the man was a minister and um, her, the husband and and um, they had a son. And they went into the most explicit detail. And this was, um, you know, where Essex, you know how they keep seeing Charlotte and Essex, you know, Virgins, that whole area. There's the narrowest part of the lake right there. It's the deepest part. It's like 515 or something in that little narrow part. And it was there. Um, where they were out in their boat, a rowboat, no no motorboat, and they were fishing, and um, they told me what they saw, and then as they got closer to the shore, they said, you could see the water was all like mucky and murky, and whatever it was, it was eating, they think, eating the big long weeds that grow, because you could see, they said, all oh, bare spots where like weeds were gone and such, and so that's my closest personal experiences. Be- meeting over the years, people that seems so authentic it's so real and so you really have to wonder but that day on that sailboat well it was pretty crazy yeah so what what would you what do you have any idea like what do you what if if champ was real what do you think it would be prehistoric 
I think so, because I firmly believe that where it's really deep, you know, 400-something feet, when they put um, expeditions with submarines underneath there, just, it's crazy, because it's, it's all gravel and rock and in and, and this deep heart. I believe that Lake Champlain, Lake George were connected thousands of years ago. And I firmly believe, and of course, we had salt water, the oldest reef in the United States. Where is it? Grand Isle. Remember Al Lamotte, the oldest reef in the world, Lake Champlain, wow. north, north of where this is. So when you think about that, and it was salt water, and that was that's totally verified because I have found fossils in the rocks myself. Um, you know, squid beak that when squid, uh, I learned a lot over the years from what I found, the squid beak, mm-hmm. that it, it gets petrified and lasts a long time, but there's all kinds of fossils and everything. So when you think about it, my personal feeling about it is that Alamont, you know, that is the oldest reef in the world. And then you've got thousands of years ago, Lake Champlain, Lake George connected. And I somehow feel that there could be tunnels or something underneath these two bodies of water and mm-hmm. that they're still somewhat connected. And I feel that it is very, very, very possible in that kind of depth, which the majority of this huge lake, the sixth largest lake in the United States, I feel very strongly that there is a strong possibility that a prehistoric lived through this I, I i do believe now i always had an open mind about it mm. and i really is i always said until somebody proves it to me but between those that couple i met and the whole detailed description of what happened to them and what they saw and also what happened under my friend's boat i have a whole different feeling about it now all right so the first story there pretty creepy right the gray lady and the dark man like just imagine Growing up in a house where that is an everyday thing. (laughs) Like, I know he didn't recount every single event that happened to him, but he talked about that time he he went down to get a glass of water and and the cabinets and the drawers just all around him were going bug shit. Like, I personally can't imagine living like that. And I'm surprised that his parents, you know, they lived, made him live in that house for that long but you know then again totally different time and sometimes that's what you got to deal with you know i I don't know what the financial situation for them was but you know sounded like they put all their money into fixing that house up and there was no other option and uh, he he dealt with it and now he has a a super creepy story to tell people like me but yeah the gray lady and the dark man like and and one thing that piqued my interest was the fact that the dark man, this this old farmer, was wearing a hat. Now, that instantly, you know, right when I heard that, it brings to mind stories of the hat man, you know, the, the, the shadow, the shadow figure, the shadow person that's always wearing a hat. Um, I think the details... Ethan shared about the the dark man were slightly different than the ones, you know, when when people talk about the hat man, but but still, just the fact that this 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 dark man was wearing a hat is is very very intriguing. So yeah, that first story uh, told by Ethan, dark man, gray lady, very very creepy, and and then that second story was told by Annette Spalding, master diver, underwater archaeologist. She's she's very well known here in southern Vermont, southern New Hampshire, and uh, even you know more northern New Hampshire. She does all sorts of stuff, uh, works on all sorts of different water rescue crews, and 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 uh, she's always investigating something under the water. So I found it very interesting when she was talking about Echo Lake. Now Echo Lake is a lake not far from my home. It is a lake that we have brought my children to, me and my wife. We bring our kids there, you know, multiple times every year. It's a it's a state park. There, you know, they have a nice beach. They have, you know, a little snack bar, little places that you can grill at. You know, it, it's a it's a state park and where where you go to have a good day. Now you would never imagine that there is some sort of of lake monster. I mean, it, it is a lake monster. It sounds like a lake monster. An under a giant underwater snake slithering around this lake 
Uh, I've looked it up. There are no other stories of there being any sort of lake monster here. I find Annette to be extremely credible. She may have been 85 feet down. She, she says 83 feet, almost 90 feet under the water. But, you know, this is not her first rodeo. It's definitely not her first time being that deep. Um, however, she did say it was her first time she's ever seen anything like this. And, and uh, that, that, was a, that was a segment from, from a much longer episode, uh, episode 24, Deep Dive with Annette Spaulding. And, and she, in, in that episode, she goes on to talk about, you know, seeing all these giant fish, sturgeon, carp. You know, these huge, huge fish underwater. So it's not her first time seeing something very, very large beneath the surface. So having her recount seeing what she described as a uh, a serpent, something that was what I think she said, you know, eight to, to 10, maybe 12 inches around slithering within these, like it was coiled. It was wrapped up in these old growth trees that were sunk to the bottom of the lake. It was fascinating. You know, I, I find myself using that word an awful lot in this episode, but, but it is, it, it is incredibly fascinating. What is it? Um, I don't know. There, there's no documented species within uh within Vermont within New England within I would say uh, North America that is like this creature she's talking about you know it brings to mind the 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 green anaconda but obviously it's not an anaconda because you know somebody would have seen it by now an anaconda doesn't solely live beneath the surface so and it, it is definitely way too cold uh for for that to be an anaconda so so yeah what is it a black serpent, 83 feet below the surface of, of a lake. I don't know. Complete mystery. And then she goes on to talk about uh, an encounter with what very well could be Champ. For those of you who don't know what Champ is, it is, you know, uh, Lake Champlain, the sixth largest lake here in the United States. It spans half of our state. Played huge roles in the Revolutionary War. French and Indian War, the Seven Years' War, I believe some people call it. So you you definitely probably heard of it, at least, I would imagine. And since the days of, of Samuel D. Champlain, there have been stories of a lake monster. Um, there was a, a, a very interesting photo that was taken this summer through sonar that looks like a plesiosaur. Now, nothing ever came of that photo, there was no other evidence that surfaced or, or any follow-ups that I that I heard of. But but yeah, I don't know. Did they encounter Champ? Did was Champ just below the sailboat? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, that was that was Ethan and Annette, and now we get into our third story: a UFO encounter, and maybe even. An abduction case. So. This story takes place. December of 1989. And, and I compiled these events. Uh, through interviews with everyone that was there except one person. Um, but we can piece together her events through the events of these other people. And, and how it all lines up. So. The night of New Year's Eve, 1989, there was a woman, and I'll, I'll just refer to her as Kay. It has nothing to do with her name, but I'm just going to call her Kay because it sounds cool. So there was this woman, Kay. She was driving home uh, down a road called Pleasant Valley Road. Now, this is a road that goes from between Springfield, Vermont, and Lower Bartonsville. And it, it, it's a dirt road. She was heading home from Springfield to her house in Lower Bartonsville down this, this back road, Pleasant Valley Road. And she eventually realizes that something is following her, you know. And maybe she thought it was a car at first. But at some point, she speeds up. She becomes very anxious and worried 
I would definitely imagine that she realizes exactly what this is before she meets up with, you know, the other people who encountered this, this UFO. It's got some sort of light that's shining right on her, like almost like, like the headlights of another car. And she's freaking out. So she starts racing down Pleasant Valley Road. She heads, she, she gets into Lower Barnesville, but instead of going to her house, she goes to the only business within this little village. And it, it, it's a, a veterinary clinic. So like, like a vet, you know, where, where, where you would bring uh, sick animals to. She goes to this, this vet, knowing or at least hoping that there will be other people there. You know, she obviously doesn't want to go home because she doesn't want this UFO, this unidentified flying object to follow her to her house. Uh, and more on that later. So she goes to the vets where she pulls in to the parking lot. And we'll pick her story up in just a second. So while Kay was driving down Pleasant Valley Road, probably even before she she saw the UFO, there were these two other individuals. Uh, I'll, I'll just refer to them as, as, as Dan and Mary. And their dog was very, very sick. It was, I guess it was throwing up uh, nonstop, very lethargic, wasn't drinking, eating. You know, it was very, very sick. And apparently it had, it had been sick for, for several days. And, and they thought that this was the end. Obviously, they were very worried. So they, they loaded the dog up into their car and they brought this dog to the vet. So as they're driving uh, to the vet from their house, which isn't far, I don't, I don't even want to say they're five minutes apart. So Mary and Dan, they pull into the vet right as Vinny. He is the, the vet. He's helping another dog get into another car, right? And and as he's doing that, Mary and Dan, they're telling Vinny, you know, what's going on? The dog is throwing up. He's sick. He hasn't eaten. He hasn't drank anything. And so while they're doing that, this other person gets in their car and leaves. So while Vinny, Mary, and Dan are talking about uh, what to do with their dog, this lady, Kay, pulls into the parking lot. So they're all kind of converging almost at the exact same time. And they instantly notice that there is something following Kay. And it's in the sky. And it comes down. It follows like right down the road. It's almost it's almost like an airplane flying down the road. It's not way up in the sky. It's about tree level. And it's just a bright, bright light. They can't see anything except this light. And it comes right behind Kay. Kay pulls into the parking lot and they all see it instantly. Um, and they're all kind of just like dumbfounded. They don't know what is going on. Something very, very strange is going on. And they... This UFO, this bright light, proceeds to circle the the parking lot, the vet, you know, the clinic parking lot. It does several uh, flybys, you know, just circles around them several times, and they're watching it the entire time, and then uh, it just slowly flies off. Um, and so that's the the main story of this UFO encounter. It, you know, this thing had chased this lady down the road from, you know, down this back road to this parking lot where these other people just happened to be. And they all saw this, this, this bright light flying above them, a tree level. Like I'm not, I'm not talking way up in the sky. I'm talking tree level. And I, I specifically remember Vinny telling me that there was a, a vibration in the air. You could almost hear it humming as it was. It wasn't, you know, there was no uh, jet jet sounds. This wasn't a jet. There was no propeller sounds. This wasn't an airplane. Uh, this wasn't a helicopter. It was, it was, there was just a hum, like an electric hum. And it just circled around him and flew off. So that, that's the main part of the story. Uh, and I, I don't really know exactly what happens afterwards. Everyone, you know, I'm assuming they, they're very, very weirded out by what happened and they proceed to go about their business. Now, this lady, Kay, she was institutionalized and her house was left practically abandoned. You know, that she wasn't living there anymore. There was nobody living there and it went up for sale. And when it went up for sale, my aunt wanted to go look. She wanted to check out this house. 
Um, and when she got to the house, she's looking through the window. She she puts her head up to the window, and and what she sees is these these you know there's there's pictures everywhere. There's pictures they're tacked to the wall. They're all over the floor, tables, counters. You know, just notebooks everywhere. Pictures of what can only be described as aliens. The place was just littered with different depictions of of the same alien creature. And I also remember her telling me that this lady, Kay, had sworn to everybody, you know, small town, everybody knows each other. She had sworn to everybody that she had been abducted by aliens. Now, does that come into play with this UFO encounter? Were they chasing Kay uh, because they wanted her, because they had already taken her? Um, maybe they took her after this encounter. Maybe that was the first time she had encountered this this, this UFO. I'm not sure. I, I wasn't able to talk to her personally. These are just stories that I have picked up about her. Um, but I find it very interesting that they had this this whole encounter and then it was just kind of, you know, this whole um, very aggressive encounter. You know, it's following her. It's chasing her down this road. And then when there's more than one person involved, it kind of just circles and flies away. You know, it's, it's a very interesting story. And the part, you know, when my aunt had told me that she had seen these 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 pictures of aliens just strewn about the entire house, I was shocked, you know. I definitely felt very uncomfortable. This is a street that I I grew up on. I grew up in this 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 lower Barnesville, um, and I I remember this one time. You know, my mom. You know, we grew up a street. Uh, I grew up across the street from my grandparents. We were standing in at the bottom of their driveway, looking up into the woods. There was something in the sky. You know, it, I, I I couldn't describe what it was. Now it, it was something. It looked like an airplane, maybe like. From a, from a distance, but it was there. And we turned around for a second and looked back and it was gone. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was the same thing. I'm not sure. I don't think I've ever been uh, abducted by aliens before. Not that I can, I can remember, but I have seen. Now, some might think this is weird. Some might not. Uh, I have seen a white owl in the woods behind my grandparents' house. Um, and it, it 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 was in a tree and it swooped out of the tree, you know, flew at me and flew away. I've only seen this once. It's the only time I've ever seen an owl like that. I didn't even know we had owls like that around here. Um, for those of you who have seen that movie, The Fourth Kind, uh, maybe you'll get something out of that. I don't know. I'm not saying it was. I'm not saying it wasn't. It was a white owl uh, and it creeped me out. But but yeah, so that that's the the. The, the UFO story of Lower Bartonsville. And a couple years later, there was another UFO encounter uh, that, that a man down the, down the road had. Uh, and he watched this UFO come, come flying up, you know, up the river. The Williams River runs kind of parallel to the road. Um, and this UFO came flying up the river, past his house, and just kept going. Um, and then it just like took off and it was gone. I don't know. Maybe that was the same, same craft, different craft. I don't know, but there, there have definitely been, uh, plenty of UFO encounters within the area. And I've also been told that Mount Ephraim, which is Laura Bartonsville is at the base of Mount Ephraim. Um, I have heard stories that Mount Ephraim is actually a base for these UFOs is within the mountain. Now, I've experienced a lot of weird stuff on the mountain, but I don't think any of it has been extraterrestrial. So I don't know. I've never really experienced anything that would corroborate this 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 alien base. However, I have experienced some some cryptid activity, I believe. And and yeah, so that that's the the only other story I have for you tonight. I hope you would enjoyed it. I was planning on covering curses as a subject this week, but I had too much going on. I wasn't able to finish the research. Maybe I'll do it next week. Maybe I'll do something else. I don't know. But um, I hope you enjoyed that. 
And don't forget to rate and review the show. You know, we're holding steady at 26 reviews. Um, I don't know what's going on. You know, we're getting downloads, but we're not getting anybody reviewing the show. Now, you know, I, I you hear it on, on all these, these um, independent podcasts out there. They're always talking about rating and reviewing and, this is how more people find the show and, and you know, all that's true. And I hate harping on it and I hate repeating it. But yes, that is true. Ratings and reviews, they help listeners like you find the show. And it really is the best way to support Almost Canon. We have 25 five-star ratings, one one-star rating. So it's not like, you know, we're doing a bad job. Because if that was the case, I would imagine people would be leaving a shit ton of, of one-star reviews. We're just not getting any reviews at all. So please, please rate and review the show, preferably on uh, Apple Podcasts, but but Spotify is just as good. So so rate the show. Leave us a nice little review. Uh, we can I'll, I'll give you a call out and on next week's episode or, or the next episode that after I see the rating, and I still got a f- couple stickers left that I'll be able to send out to those who who rate the show uh, and then get a hold of me. Send me their address. I'll send you a sticker. Um, but yeah, please rate and review the show. Um, and those stories definitely sound almost canon to me. Thank you.